All right, so let's go ahead and get started. I want to thank all of you all for, for coming and spending some time with Jacobs. Uh, my name is Isaac Henderson. I'm Division Vice President and Deputy Program Manager in our Jacobs Critical Mission Solutions line of business. And I'm going to be your moderator. And this is for leveling up, developing skills to lead from the front while embracing discomfort. And so you can read my bio. Many of you probably have downloaded the app, so you, know, you can save some time there. The bios are there, not only for myself, but for my colleagues as well. And another thing that we're gonna do is I would like to actually open up the questions to you. So I have some questions that I've kind of hid from them, and I told them, they kind of looked at me and said, uh, okay. So I have some questions, but I also wanna get some questions from you. So one of the benefits of, of actually having people is that we can field some of those questions from you. So at the appropriate time, we'll, we'll field some of those from you. But I would like to go ahead and introduce our panel. You know, so the three panelists that we have here today are leaders. They're leaders not only within their prospective fields, but they're also leaders at Jacobs. So at our company, across our offices, really across the world, you know, we are continuing to challenge today to reinvent tomorrow. And three people, three leaders who are playing a significant role and helping us to reach our goals, especially when it comes to sustainability and continuity and connectivity are these three women that are here today. So it is my pleasure to introduce to you um, Sharon Jean Baptiste. Uh, she's the Vice President of Midwest Operations. Um, Chrissy Tom, Senior Vice President for Growth Strategy and Solutions. And Ife Yuanwe Arenze, uh, she's a Senior Land Quality Geo Environmental subject matter expert. And so she's, a, she's definitely a, a professional and I had a chance to, to talk to her last night and uh, she, she blew my mind. So, so with that being said, um, you know, one of the things that, that this really means and, and even talking with Cleo before we did this, this panel is that we really want to talk about something that, that really impacted everyone. You know, not just your standard technical subject but we want to talk about something that all of you will leave and have some nuggets on how it can apply to your lives, whether professionally, in your STEM careers, but also at home as well. And so with that being said, you know, when it comes to leading teams, multi-generational teams, um, being able to manage corporate America, um, being able to have lessons learned and, and learning from those experiences, these are some of the things that we're gonna glean from these three, and they're gonna share some of their experiences as well. So to kick this off, you know, on my flight here, you know, I was thinking a lot about time, all right? And how time is, is essentially one of the most valuable, non-renewable resources in our lives. And so I often think about this quote from this civil rights, American rights leader, Dr. Benjamin Mays, and it said, you know, I only have a minute, you know, only 60 seconds in it forced upon me. I didn't seek it, I didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it and he's talking about time. And so I'm tossing that question over to these three. When it comes to time, and you look at their bios, and you can see a lot of time has went into cultivating their careers and getting to where they are today. How has time played a significant role, either to be an accelerator or a distraction for you? Because we're always fighting against a clock that we have in our head, and so Ife, I want to toss it over to you to kind of get us kicked off, and I'm actually going to sit down, and we're just going to have a conversation, and then I want to field some questions from you. So how has time really impacted you as a leader 
and, and how have you navigated that? Okay, um, thank you very much for this um, wonderful opportunity. Um, to be honest, I'm really blown away that I'm here to not only represent myself and represent Jacobs as a company, and you know this opportunity means a whole lot to me. Um, I'm, I'm going to answer your question um, based on you know how I came to the UK. So I grew up in Nigeria in a very small village, and um, my parents were entrepreneurs. And I mean, with all the hardship we had in Nigeria, um, my parents put in everything, every resources they had to, to kind of give me a good head start in life, even though they had to deprive themselves of a lot of comfort. And I don't take that for granted at all. And I remember um, um, my, my mom, um, you know, she had a very tough life because her dad passed when, when they were very young, so she couldn't continue her education because um, they lost a lot to you know, her uncle. And so she kind of raised us to be very strong, independent women. And so she has always encouraged me to be that person, irrespective of our culture, because I come from the Igbo tribe, and we have this very strong culture where women uh, often, have, they often have to walk behind men. Sometimes you don't have to pursue your dream because it has to be the man, okay? So my mom made sure that in everything, she coached us to be independent women. So we wouldn't have to go through what she passed through. So my mom walked her socks off. And so at the time there was, you know, um, you know, the oil boom in Nigeria. So everybody wanted to be in the oil, oil industry. So my parents made sure I went to the Nigerian Petroleum Institute because it was more like an institute where I would have that, you know, um, access into the oil industry. So I did. I graduated and I thought I was going to get a top job in the oil industry, but I did not. And there was a lot of bureaucracy and it was heavily um, controlled by the West. So they put up a lot of, you know, you've got to have a foreign degree, you've got to have um, international experience to work in Nigeria. And I'm like, I'm a Nigerian, why would you want me to have international experience? <laughs> you know, to work in a, in a, in a company in Nigeria. And I, I told my parents, look, I don't want anything to limit me in life. Um, I'm, go I'm just gonna go get that foreign degree so there won't be any excuse. And, and also, I had to look at the fact when I told my dad about going out to get the degree, he looked at me and said, young girl, don't you know you're not young anymore? You should be thinking about settling down, getting married. And so I had that at the back of my mind that whatever I do, yes, I know I'm gonna settle down, but I also know that as an African woman, if I don't achieve certain things at certain time, if I go get married, I may not be able to do it because if my husband doesn't agree with my dream, that it means I'm not gonna get it. So I knew that it was a race against time for me that um, I've got this bucket list, I've got to achieve this at this time because if I don't, I may not achieve it. So time was of the essence for me. And, and I took advantage of that. When I spoke to my parents about financing my education outside, my mom said, we don't have that much, but we will see. My mom is a woman of faith. She would pray and pray. And I'm asked, God would have it. I had a scholarship, full scholarship, and I had to go over to the Netherlands to study. So, I mean, in answering your question, time was of the essence for me. Mm -hmm. I had to 
um, make sure that I get certain things. Uh, education was priority for me. I needed to upgrade myself, get a good job, and be financially independent. It doesn't matter who I get married to. I wanted to be that woman who can take charge of our own destiny, not the one that will be defined by others. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. She said so many nuggets in her statement that I'm probably, I'm gonna come back to, yeah. Yeah. if you don't mind. I'm a, okay. I wanna, cause you, had, you said a few things, I just don't wanna just let just breeze over, but mm. to stay with this topic though, um, so you, I guess you, see, you saw time as an accelerator, but I wanna go the opposite because maybe there are people out there right now who see time as a major distraction or as a big stressor in their life because, mm -hmm. you know, I said I was gonna be this person with this level of education by this age. Mm -hmm. So let's go there. And I wanna go with you. How, how can someone out here navigate that? Because I'll tell you, for me, I mean, that's, that's been a big stressor in my life. Yeah, and, and thanks for that, Isaac. So yeah, and you know, Ify, I mean, just, amazing just to hear hear the story and I actually do I must admit I do relate to that as how we embrace time as something that helps us to get focused right I mean that's that's something that you know in addition to the distraction if we use it right and we're able to get our mindset right right it's all about mindset for me and that's what I'm going to get into with 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 this question you know it really can be that way to make sure that we don't have analysis paralysis and start to overthink and question our own judgment, right? Because that's something that I know for me, as I've kind of progressed through my career, and let me just start by saying that, you know, when I, when I came out of school, I have a biology degree, I have a biology undergraduate degree and a fisheries master degree. I really was always purpose-driven, always about changing the world, changing the community, and finding different careers or volunteer opportunities that helped me to deliver that mission. But I really didn't know anything about companies like Jacobs or anything about you know, what that career progression would look like, and that's anxiety-producing. For me, as a young graduate, I was really anxiety-producing that the clock is ticking and maybe I'm not focusing on the right things. And then you start to get into that whirlwind of distraction of, okay, well, I better do everything so that I can, you know, so that something will work out and I'll make some progress and how I want to set out my career. And the reality is that if you're trying to do it all, all at once, you're not gonna, you're not gonna really make, make that, that accomplishment, right? You're not gonna get to the next level. And that's something that, you know, I think, I, I think that you know, having it all and doing it all you know, doesn't mean doing it all at once. And so when we think about time and, and how we manage that, you know, for me, it's anxiety producing, right? Like, oh my gosh, I only have so much time. How am I gonna focus on this? And then that becomes distracting. You know, that's the part that's so important. So, you know, I'm a mom, and so I, I draw a lot of parallels between my own career progression and, and kind of how I coach my kids. And, you know, I coach my kids kind of like I coach my teams, to be honest with you. And, you know, I see it in them. They have that same, you know, kind of, you know, all right, so what if I focus on this? What if I focus on that? Well, everybody else is doing 20 different activities all, all at the same time. And, you know, our kids, it's the same thing with us at Careers. That's great, you know, we gotta have passion for what we do, but we've also gotta make sure that we are giving ourselves because we, you know, that's how, that's how we respect ourselves and respect our time is to make sure we're giving ourselves that chance to focus deeply 
on progressing in certain areas and saying, that's okay if I'm not focused on that right now. And so, you know, as I, as I look at, you know, kind of progressing through, through Jacobs and obviously my focus, you know, at, at my heart, I'm still a biologist and an ecologist and, and I'm really proud of that. I do a lot of business management now and, and leading, leading teams. And so, you know, what we want to do is make sure that we are, we are looking for how we can make that impact. And, and for people's careers, you know, sometimes that means focusing on, for me, technical expertise. How do you become the best biologist that's, that's credible in the industry? And what are those specific activities that you're gonna do to focus on that now? And just because you're focused on that now doesn't mean that you can't focus on then advancing to be a project manager or do something in a, in a functional area or focus on talent management or however it is. And so, you know, I think over and over again, it's just giving ourselves permission to focus and being okay and maybe, you know, managing the FOMO that comes with not doing those other things. So, yeah. so that, that's what I would say. No, that's, I think that's, that's really key. And it makes me think, you know, you talk a lot about Jacobs. And so in a discussion with our CEO elect, Bob Pregada, he talked a lot about um, linear and, and lateral development, meaning like not getting so caught up in time as in I'm going to achieve this title by this time, but it's more so about I'm going to achieve these experiences by this time, and that takes a little bit of the edge and the stress off, because ultimately it'll get you to where you need to go. So thank you for that. Sharon, I want to get your, your feedback, but I'm going to switch it a little bit. So she talked about the stress, right? But there may be someone out there or someone out here who, who has stress for taking that first leadership position. Okay, so you're looking at time and I want to advance, I want to have people leadership responsibilities, but it's really stressful. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with that and what advice you'll give to not only our listeners, but you know, those who are here? Yeah, yeah, and, and I love what both Ify and, and Chrissy talked about here and, and sort of giving yourself grace. You know, that's the most important rule, right, that you can uh, observe because life's gonna throw all of it at you, right? And so you've got to be able to give yourself the space to make different choices, right, than uh, than what you initially did. I think, you know, as you think about taking on um, your first leadership role, I know for me it, it was quite stressful. Um, and um, for me it was uh, a couple of things, right? So it was a matter of do I have what it takes, right, uh, to lead a group of folks. Um, I may have been comfortable, right, in a certain role, whether it's a, as a technical lead, if you will, uh, on the project, but now you're responsible, right, for, uh, for a group of folks. And I learned a, a few years later, you know, not at that time, but a few years later, and I wish someone had told me, right, that, you know what, Sharon, it's not about you. <laughs> right, right, at the end of the day, right, leadership's really not about you. Um, you certainly set the tone, it certainly starts with you, but it's not about you, right? It's about the, the team that you are um, choosing to be in service of, right? You're choosing to empower this group of people. And I think for me, it would have reduced, right, my anxiety level and thinking about I had to know it all, right? I had to be the best, I had to be perfect, I couldn't make mistakes, right? And you earn trust and credibility right, when you put your team first, 
right? When you let them know, I've got your back. Regardless of what goes down, I have your back. And you're creating and enabling and nurturing that environment where the team can trust one another, right? To make those mistakes, right? And not feel like it's gonna derail, right? The whole environment on the team. So those are some things that I, I wish I had known going into my first uh, people leadership role. It's different when you're leading projects, right? It's a little bit different because you're all uh, mission oriented to a specific outcome, right? You kind of work hard, you have fun, you get it done, you celebrate, right? Um, but with people leadership, it's the journey, right? It's the experience and each person is different and they each bring a different set of gifts and capabilities to the table, mm -hmm. right? And so you have to see that, yeah. right? And so you go back to time, right? The best use of your time in making an impact with that team in order for them to accomplish the goals that you've all agreed to achieve together is taking the time to get to know your team, right? And really be able to bring, you know, Chrissy talked about coaching. Man, you coach a lot as a leader right automatically because you're trying to get the best out of your folks and you can't treat them all the same way right they each bring a little bit different to the table but it's all in service of that common goal or that common objective yeah, yeah. so you said something that really resonated with me just now is uh it's not about you um yeah. and i think even companies you know we all work for different companies and one of the things i, I love about jacobs is that you know as a company we understand uh, that it has to be about the culture first. And so across our company, you know, we spend a lot of cycles um, encouraging leaders uh, like ourselves to focus on people, you know, focus on the culture because without the people and the culture, the company dies. And so I think if you could turn that around to what you're saying, you're saying that it's not about you, it's about them. Um, but I, I, I smile at the idea of what you started out like, you know, you probably came in, new shirt, you know, knew everything, you're gonna just, yeah. Yeah. That's right. oh, That's Sharon right. is in charge. Oh, Sharon That's is in right. charge. I'm here. She yeah. is here. Yeah. All right, boss lady. That's right. All right. Um, so uh, really quick, and then we can move on. What are the, the challenges? So we have a lot of, of, of female leaders in this room, and we have some that are out there. Uh, what are the challenges with, with people management? Because I don't think it stops. I mean, you're senior VP. So it goes all the way to being a task lead. What are, what are really the challenges? If you can talk a little bit about those. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, um, I don't know if I would call it challenges necessarily, right? But I, I think the opportunities when you're leading people is that, you know, because everyone's so different, right? Um, a lot of your time is spent building consensus, right, towards mm -hmm. a common goal, right? So it's not necessarily about changing people, right, but it's leveraging their passion to get things done and channeling it, channeling it and focusing it on the right objectives, right? I think that's probably um, what I would say in terms of where I spend my time and energy, right, quite frankly, right, is around that, right, ensuring that we stay focused and aligned on, on doing the right things. I would say it's probably at the top of the top of list sure. of challenges or opportunities, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I add to that? Okay. Um, yeah, so, so I think, you know, as leaders, you know, th there's, there's really a difference between leadership and management, right? I mean, I think that's yeah. kind of 
almost just you know overstated at this point, but I'm seeing some head nods. So for me, it's something every day to remember, right? Because you know, we're, and I love that you opened with time because it is as a leader, the challenge of how you manage your time in service of your people is just there's never going to be that perfect Goldilocks, <laughs> you know, thing that happens with with your team and. Maybe one of the, the, the real exciting parts about people leadership in particular is that when, when, you, when you start to enable people to work together, you work with them to create their vision, not your vision, their vision, and you're, you're moving together and you start to see people get their confidence, go farther than they thought they could. I mean, that's just it for me. Like, that's just what makes it that's just what makes leadership so so awesome, right? Is because, you know, I think I think the the people, you know, if you want to talk about challenges, you know, I think, you know, the fact that that you know people are going to come and they're going to they're going to start with a different perspective. And like Sharon said, we're not here to change somebody's mind. We're here to ask questions. And when you talk about coaching, the best way to coach is to ask questions okay. and to to really help you know, not come in thinking that because you're the leader you have all the answers, but to be curious and to be non-judgmental and to work with your team and be on their side, right? So I think those are all really important elements in terms of how we spend the time to manage people, like, like, like Sharon was saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to add, I'm just going to add that with um, leadership, um, there's never a one-size you know, that fits all approach, it doesn't work because you have people with different experience, different background, and there are people within the team who are gonna need more support than the others. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important that we identify those people and then giving them the, the necessary mentoring, the coaching they need. Um, because if we, if we kind of use a blanket assessment for everybody, it's not gonna work. And mm -hmm. um, so just identifying that you know, our differences, we need to kind of look into that when, when we're managing people. Yeah, yeah so you, you bring up a good, good point. So it actually goes back to what I really wanted to ask you early on yeah. with, with what you said. Um, you know, you, you're talking about your people differences. And so at Jacobs, you know, we're a pretty large company. I mean, for the most part, 55,000 employees that are across the globe and probably 50, 50 different, you know, locations. And so it's a pretty unique opportunity, especially for, for our people leaders, because you may lead someone who doesn't necessarily have the same um, value system as you mm -hmm. in terms of the way that you're raised or region. Um, there's generational differences. And so it creates this really beautiful melting pot, you know, across the company. So to go back to you, all right, you said, at least what I thought you said, you said that your dad um, was like, oh, you know, you, you have to get married and, and, mm -hmm. and something like that. And and so that made me think, okay, so Nigerian culture, and so I have a lot of friends that are from Nigeria. And so, yes, there is a culture um, difference between, let's say, being African-American mm -hmm. versus being, you know, in Nigeria. Yeah. And so that makes me wonder, you know, you've moved around in your career. Yes, you've went to like the Netherlands and yeah. the UK, and yeah. you've seen a lot of different things through mm -hmm. Jacobs. Mm -hmm. So how has that influenced you as a people leader? Like how, how has that, made you who you are today? I mean, um, one of the good things with, you know, moving around, you know, social mobility, which I believe is something we need to encourage, 
um, when you move around, you are exposed to different cultures. You kind of look at your culture and see what you can benefit from other cultures. And I think that's what diversity brings into the room. Um, you've got people from different cultures. There are the good and the bad of every culture. And, and for me, each country I go to, there's, there's something positive to pick. There are the negatives. Well, there will always be. And, but I kind of open my mind to learn from those cultures. And what happens is, I mean, from the country where I was coming from, uh, I had a discussion with someone about you know, the institution of marriage in Nigeria. The way we see marriage is quite different from the way it is in the West. And so when you learn what others are doing, you kind of influence um, you kind of um, influence others through what you've learned. So for example, I've, I've learned a lot in terms of you know, being independent as a woman. Um, if a marriage doesn't work, you don't have to kill yourself over it, right? <laughs> um, you know, the way we view marriage in Nigeria is, is a do or die affair. Like, you tell your parents, man, this is not working. I say, you know what, you've got to stick in there. So I've learned that you don't have to go through that emotional you know, stress because you want to stay in marriage. So I use, you know, what I've learned from other cultures and I, I start from my family. Charity begins at home. I, I've got a lot of, you know, nieces and I, and I tell them, look, you've got to build yourself as an independent woman. You don't have to abide by the Nigerian marriage culture, right? Um, if it's not going to work for you there, you can move to other countries that are a bit more relaxed. And so, <laughs> I, I, I mean, my, myself and my husband, we are both Igbos. But because I'm in the UK, sometimes when he comes up with a traditional Nigerian thing, I say, this is UK. <laughs> so don't forget that. <laughs> right? So, yeah, I, that's, that's what I tend to do. I kind of try to influence other people and say, you don't have to kill yourself. Just, you know, you can shift get out of your comfort zone and have a good life, yeah. 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 So let me toss over to you, Sharon. I mean, pretty diverse company. Mm -hmm. um, and you've too had your opportunities to learn and, and glean from others who maybe have, don't have the same background as you. Mm -hmm. How has that influenced you as, as a leader uh, moving forward? Uh, really strong influence, um, you know, for me. Um, when I, you know, first got into the industry, I um, envisioned I'd, I'd be a technologist my whole career, right? And so I would solve problems, model solutions, design solutions, build solutions, right? And um, through my, my career experiences, uh, particularly at Jacobs, I had the opportunity to, in some cases, get pushed out of my comfort zone and do some very different things that I had never thought that I would do. And it was an opportunity for me to really um, stretch who I could be, right? Um, and realize that there are multiple dimensions to us when it comes to our career, right? We don't have to be just one thing, um, but that we can develop different uh, dimensions and facets to who we are and what we bring to the table. And so while I started my career as, uh, as much more technical in nature, um, I was able to start to manage programs. I was able to start doing sales. I was able to start doing operations, right? And it just opened up a whole new world for me from not just a career development standpoint, 
but from understanding leadership, right? Because you lead differently in each of those situations, right? There's sort of core elements to you, right? Your authenticity, right? The consistency that you bring in terms of who you are and how you show up for your team, but how you lead and how you encourage and how you motivate and how you inspire is a little bit different, right? Depending on the, on the role that you're taking. And so I've been blessed to, to have an opportunity to really try some, some different things. I wouldn't say I'm well-rounded. I think that word is kind of overplayed a little bit, but I'm multidimensional, yeah. right? I'm not just one thing and I'm proud of that. Um, you know, just like I'm not, you know, just a, black woman, right? I have other dimensions to me um, that I'm able to flex and explore, right? Um, and bring to the table of whatever I'm doing. So I think that's what I've taken away it, it from, from my experience. A, a former first lady said she's becoming, you yes. know, this right. cut this yes. con continuous thing. Yes, yeah, yeah you um, get snaps on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanna say something for the audience really quick and then I wanna get your feedback about yeah. that. So in, earlier I mentioned, hey, I actually want this to be interactive. So if you all do have a question, um, just raise your hand, and I want to get you into this as well. But I'm going to go to Chrissy really quick, and then you'll be my very first person. So thank you. Yeah, so yeah. Chrissy, what, do you, what what's your, what's your yeah. thoughts about that? And then we'll go so, to this person here. So I, I like how we're kind of tracking, but also going a little bit in, in different directions here. So let's keep that up. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think, though, Isaac, just, you know, reflecting on, you know, s some of what you were, you were asking us to, to, to think about in terms of, you know, working globally and, you know, thinking about, you know, kind of how we, how we, how we present ourselves and go for that. Maybe the, maybe the observation I'll make about myself and just my leadership journey has been, I think particularly early in my career as, you know, a, a female in a fairly male dominated industry um, of engineering, you know, and then slap on that a biologist to boot, you know, I think that, you know, there, you start to, you know, see yourself as, you know, really holding up for, you know, expectations that other people have of you when you walk into a room, you know, I think we all feel that, right, like, well, they're expecting me to come and be this, so I better, you know, that that's what I'm going to be, and, you know, I think it took me a long time to, um, to really understand that to be successful, I did not have to meet those expectations. Mm. And working globally and seeing the different cultures, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I grew up in, in, in the Southeast and that's certainly a, a set of cultural expectations there. Um, but then starting to, to go other places and recognizing and celebrating that, oh, well, the expectations are a little different here and it looks a little different here. and. You know, it was just, it's exciting and that kind of, you know, ability to just really, you know, be able to see more clearly some of these things that we just accept as the air we breathe, right? Yeah. And working globally and, and going to different cultures and really coming in with that has been a really important w way for, for me and my leadership journey to just, you know, re really just kind of throw out, you know, I don't, I don't really care what people's expectations are me and how I'm going to show up as a leader. You know, this is, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be. We're going to go here, but my question, part two to that is, was the expectations ones that you created in your own head or were they really there? Because I know a lot of times, you know, you can scream wolf and the wolf's not there because we've already thought that, you know, there's an issue. Yeah. Did you find that happen? It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay? okay. Truly, it's a little bit of both because, um, you know, some of it is just 
you know, you go, grow up with cultural norms. So yeah, you start to internalize that and then it becomes something that you project, even if people really. in the situation aren't really thinking that. You've just got it, it's, a, it's an alarm bell in your head and all of a sudden if you voice it, you realize, okay, maybe, maybe other people weren't, you know, didn't have that same expectation of me, right? Yeah. But then the other part of it is real and we've gotta respect that, you know, that you know, sometimes, and, and this unconscious bias, this idea of unconscious bias is a real thing, and it can be, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think it's, it can just really come, come to the table in very subtle ways. Sometimes yeah. they're not so subtle, but sure. a lot of times they're subtle, and I think it's okay to recognize that, okay, that's something that somebody is expecting of me. They're, you know, I, I feel that even if they're not explicitly saying it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of naming it and understanding it is really, you know, and particularly at Jacobs and how we work, yeah. you know, that's, that's just, you know, we've got to be able to name it and see it and recognize that we all have biases we've got to deal yeah. with. And I think that really underpins our, our theme, really embracing that discomfort, mm -hmm. um, you know, going into it, knowing that it may be there, it may not be there, but how am I going to work through it? Right. So thank you for that. So my first person, thank you. Okay, um, Sangeeta from Gotara. Uh, this topic of uh, dealing with discomfort and winning despite the discomfort is a topic close to our heart, which we address every day for our members and participants. Um, and the question I have for each one of you is, can you give an example of the, one of the most uncomfortable situation you had to deal with, and how did you address it? Let's do this. <laughs> we'll start. We'll start here, and then just work our way down. And Sharon, you can, you can kind of yeah. finish it up. So Thank you. That's an outstanding question. It's a question. great question. So yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with people, and I'm gonna pull in maybe, maybe kind of, you know, working across, you know, generations, multi generational, right? Because that is something that I, I, as a leader, had to come to terms with. How do you? How do you be assertive and and authentic with somebody that's very much your senior? in terms of experience levels and how do you how do you make sure that you don't number one get, you know, just kind of say, oh well they're seniors so they must have have the right opinion on this. And you know, mm. um, so I, I remember a very specific situation. I was a I was a you know, what we call a frontline leader, right? So I was a I was a, a manager of a of a team of maybe um, it was probably about fifteen direct reports and all ages from very, very uh, junior employees to, um, you know, probably 20 years my senior, maybe more. And um, this individual was, was more of the, the, the senior resource and, um, you know, I had to do his performance review and, and there were some challenges mm -hmm. that were there. And um, I, I really got wound up about it. You know, I was nervous. How am I going to say this without being overly critical? How am I going to respect this person? You know, but but also be honest mm -hmm. about the feedback that I needed to deliver. And um, you know, I, I think the thing that 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 I did was was use some of my peers as sounding boards with it. So I kind of rehearsed it mm -hmm. basically to the point where I actually like wrote a script. You know, here's the messages I know I want to deliver to this person. I want to do it in a way that's not, you know, that's appropriate and respectful. And so I, I took the time to think about it, write it out, talk it through with, with my mentors and, you know, kind of, you know, 
ensure that, 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 you know, when I got in the room that I was, I felt really confident and that, you know, I was taking this seriously and, and could deliver, you know, the feedback that, that my, my team was depending on me to deliver. Because it wasn't just about me, it was about, you know, when you've got somebody that's, you know, they don't know, they've got a blind spot and they're not performing, it doesn't matter where they are in their career, we all have it. And so, you know, I think that that idea of really coming at it with compassion for that person as an individual and, and, you know, kind of thinking about how you, you know, just kind of lay that out for the person and, you know, look, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this. You know, this is something that I wanna work with you as a leader and here's the things that, you know, they're data points and it's facts and sticking to the facts has always been really helpful in those situations for me. Yeah, so I will say to, to, to organize kind of your thoughts, is it safe to say compassion and organization is the, the learning opportunity there that we can share with others is how you got through that situation? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, all right, Ify. Um, I think I had a, an experience where, you know, having to work with people who, you know, some of the projects we manage, we work within very tight deadlines. And you find out that when you work with the younger generations, it's they don't care too much about those deadlines. And I've had... <laughs> Why did I've, everyone just laugh? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, a, that's so, a shared experience. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so it's... Um, well, I had to learn the hard way because I uh, given a piece of work to someone and saying, please, I need this done by this deadline. And you, you, you would expect that if, if there's any problem, they're going to come back to you and say, I'm not going to be able to deliver at this time. But I noticed consistently that with the younger ones, it's pretty difficult for them to sometimes meet those deadlines. And communication is always a problem. So I've learned um, with those group of people that when I have a critical project, I don't get them involved. Um, because, I mean, how am I gonna deal with that situation? I can't shout at you, I can't do anything. So I think it's, you know, uh, the way I've been managing that challenge is when, when there is a critical task to do, I would look for more matured employees to do it. But equally, I would spend some time to coach, you know, those groups to make them understand the importance of, you know, sticking with deadlines because sometimes they don't get it. Sure, they don't get it sometimes. Yeah. Okay, so it seems like we got both ends of the spectrum. So here we were talking with Chrissy. She was sharing about someone a little bit more experienced in a challenge of of coaching up. You're talking about the challenge of, of coaching down and, and navigating critical projects with mm -hmm. real deadlines to have consequences with some of our entry and, and yeah. you know, less experienced um, professionals, mm -hmm. both equal stressors. Mm -hmm. So that's, so Sharon, what you got? She took, she took two of those. I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you got? Oh my goodness. Well, um, I, I've had a few uncomfortable uh, situations and, in my career for sure, but I, I think one that stands out that's not themed around these two, uh, <laughs> these two um, um, spectrums is uh, a bullying in the workplace. Um, and uh, th that, that's one thing I have you know, zero, zero tolerance for. Um, but I was a, a younger engineer um, at the time and I had a 
uh, project lead, so it wasn't my direct supervisor per se, but someone who was quite, quite senior uh, in the organization uh, leading the project. And he's a brilliant, brilliant man, the best in his space. So it was an honor to work with him, right, and to learn from him and all that. And so we put up with a lot of stuff, right, as a, as a result of that. But then one day, Sharon just had enough. <laughs> and um, I, I, I said something, you know, uh, and uh, he cleared the room. We were, in a, we were in a meeting, and he cleared the conference room. And he proceeded to blah, 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 and I just listened. And I said, so-and-so, you're a bully. Oh, you're a bully. Right, and if you want, because he was talking about respect and, and, and all that stuff, and I said, look, I respect your technical capabilities, I respect what you represent in the industry, but I can't respect how you treat the team. Mm -hmm. I just can't. And we had a real conversation after that because it just dissipated everything in the room. You understand what I'm saying? When you call it what it is, and I took a chance, I'm not gonna lie, I took a chance, because <laughs> it could have gone the other way, yeah. right? It could have gone the other way. Um, but we had been building a relationship, right? We had been building a relationship. I, I um, you know, had, had a reputation for calling it like it is, right? Um, and so you sort of build that credibility to be able to say that. Um, but I took a risk, I did take a risk. Um, but it improved the way that we worked together, right? It created that level of transparency. It allowed him to sort of check, right, how he was coming across and how he was addressing certain situations, right, and know that there were better ways to get yeah. results yeah. and actions did, from the but team. But did he know this, I mean, I'm assuming this happened, he said it was earlier in your career, did this person through that conversation know oh, that yeah. it, that he, that he, he was, was a bully? bully? Oh, he knew he was a bully. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to use that. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, there may be someone out here in the audience who, you know, you're saying that, and yeah, we're all kind of laughing, but they're saying, like, that's actually happening mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So what is your advice to whichever person out there who feels like, you know what, I'm, I kind of get bullied sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the, what's the takeaway? Well, for me, it's, it's relationship, right? So I was building that relationship with him to be able to say that, right? To, to feel that I could take the risk to say that. How about that, okay. right? But I think if you're in a situation where you don't believe that you have that um, credit in the bank, if you will, right, to take that risk, that you've got to bring someone else alongside with you. You've got to, right? You cannot take that on yourself, right? And you've got to align with someone who's got the credibility with this individual, right, to be able to have the conversation, right? And then of course, and, and the, the sooner you address this, mm -hmm. right, the better that it is, right? Mm -hmm. The better you can just sort of move on and start to rebuild from a different place. If it escalates though, right, then, you know, we've got to think about other actions, Right there, that there are supports within the company, right, to help us move through any company, right, to move through difficult situations like this. So someone should not feel that they're alone, right, in a situation like this, right. Just take one step in the right direction to improving the situation. Yeah. 
I want to tell you all just a little snippet about Jacobs. And while I'm telling you that, I want to give you an opportunity to ask the next question. So if there's a hand out there, there's multiple hands. So whichever, whichever one, Brianna, um, you can just grab. But what I will tell you, though, is that I think with your experience, it's a lot easier. So I've been with Jacobs for 11 years now, and I've seen our company transform in such a way that's really inspiring. And so I think it's a lot easier if you feel like you're bullied in an environment where the culture is about you, then you can get an ally. And it's a lot easier to say, hey, I think I'm being bullied. And now you have a, a, a unified force to address it versus you doing it by yourself. So I think it goes back to that culture thing that, that I mentioned early on. So we have another question. Thank you. Um, Mary Falsigno with US Army DevCom. So when I saw the phrase embracing discomfort, the first thing that I thought of was the idea of, quote, rocking the boat. Mm -hmm. And I know for me personally, that's something that I struggle with. And I think it leads to like what you were talking about, where you kind of let people step on you a little bit. So my question is, what sort of tips would you have for someone, especially a younger person in, in their career, to get past the mindset of stirring up trouble and change it into something more like advocating for yourself or speaking up properly? How, how do you go about that shift in mindset? That's a great question. question. Thank you. That's a fantastic question. And, and so let's start here, and we'll just kind of go this way. Okay. Thank you. Wow, I mean, great, great question. So I think we're getting real now. Thank you, thank you to Sharon for, for getting real. And she dropped this with the bully, right? Like we're, we can't go soft from here. So, so it's a it's a good follow up, right? Like how and and really just to kind of paraphrase a little bit, you know, I felt this, and maybe maybe I'll just say you you talked about it early in your career, but I, I've never stopped thinking about how you walk that line of. You know, making sure you're, you know, if you've got challenges and you want to change the world and you want to do things differently, not just being seen as a troublemaker and kicking mm -hmm. up dust versus somebody that's constructive, somebody that's coming with, you know, kind of this growth mindset where you are, you know, seen as, as somebody that is going to contribute positively. And it's something we've got, I, I have to check myself too with because, you know, it, Look, we deal with a lot every day, and, and sometimes you get negative. You just do. Sometimes you have a bad day. Sometimes it just feels like you've got the weight of the world, and you just want to complain. Just want to vent and just, you know. I, but I think for me, what I've done and, and what I've, you know, mentored and coached people on is that's totally fine. That's going to happen. Make sure that you've got those people in your network, that you've got the relationship where you can just, just get it out. It's not good to hold it in. You don't have an answer. You just wanna, you just wanna talk about it. But then, you've got to move on. You've got to, you know, give yourself license to talk about something that's frustrating and maybe talk about it in a non-productive way. But then, at some point, that stops, and then you need to start being much more about how are we going to carry this forward and deal with the realities of the constraints because we all, I mean, you know, look, this is business, it's the real world, there are, there's plenty that's gonna be out of our control and it's gonna change all the time. So there's gonna be things that you don't like that come up, right? And so how do you make sure that, I'm sure that your debate, right, that you've got, if you're on the debating stage and you've got, you know, you wanna talk about how an org structure is maybe not quite ideal for what you need to do or whatever it is, 
yeah, you've got a great point and it's well thought out and well articulated, but in actuality, we need to start taking that, thinking about it, and thinking about how we work with those things that we can't change, and then being more productive on you know, the, the path forward, right? So you know, I think you asked about advice, and, and so I think you've gotta be aware, and I think you've gotta give yourself that license to, and those people around you that you can really just kinda let it out but then you also have to look to your leaders around you, look to your mentors, look to your supervisor, all those people that you respect that maybe have a different vantage point than you. And again, start asking those questions about how you start to maybe look at the issue or the challenge a different way. You know, We've gotta make sure that we're not just so headstrong that there's one solution, but actually just take a step back take a deep breath and remember that there's lots of different ways that we can solve things and maybe the best way to do that is by getting other perspectives and starting to be seen as that person that can not just come with a problem but start to, you know, start to ask questions and work with leadership to to build towards the answer and be constructive. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is own your career journey but share your experiences with others. And so, you know, that, that really resonates, well, at least with me. So thank you for giving me that nugget mm -hmm. too. Um, Ify. Um, I, I, think, I think Chrissy has said it all. And I mean, for me, um, having any challenge at work, um, it's, it's about, you know, speaking up about your, your challenges and not over-processing the situation. Because I, I had, you know, I've had several issues at work. Um, and not knowing how to solve the problem, not knowing which direction to go. And when you put yourself in a position where you then over-process the situation, it, it messes up the whole thing. So it's better to kind of reach out to other people and kind of seek advice. It's, it's always better to deal with situations in, in, that, in that manner. And equally, I mean, we do get guidance on how, you know, if, you, if you're having a specific problem, you know, there are guidance on maybe who to speak to and that sort of thing, depending on, on the nature of the, of, of the problem. And another thing I've come to realize in Jacobs, one of the things that has really, really helped me lately is the employee networks. I can't overemphasize the, the benefits of the employee networks. Like um, when you know, Jacobs established employee networks. Before then, I used to struggle a lot um, because not knowing where to channel my frustration, not knowing who to talk to. But with employee networks, you have people who understand you, who you can talk to, you can trust and kind of share some stuff with. Um, and I mean, there are a lot of people in this room I call up and I, I tell them, look, I'm going through this, what do I do? And you know they've got your back. Right, and so it's very important that we take advantage of the benefits of, of the employee networks. Yeah. And mental health champions as yes, well yes. is a very big thing at, in our, at Jacobs. And so, Sharon, you can, you can close this out. And yeah. while she's doing that, let's go ahead and get ready for our next question. So you can kind of throw your hand up and Sharon, please. <laughs> over sure, you. yeah. And I got the sense your question was sort of related to you see some change that could or maybe should happen, and, and so how do you sort of get get that going, right? And and so Chrissy's advice is spot on, right? You kind of 
get rid of the frustration around this, this situation or whatnot. But, but as you think about moving forward, it's, it's knowing your audience, right? So it's understanding how the decision makers make their decisions, mm -hmm. right? So it's getting a little bit smarter about how the value proposition is discussed with that group, right? And so the opportunity to reach out to folks that think a little bit differently, understand maybe how those decision makers, right, collect data or, you know, any political things, right, that they need to think about, whatever it is, right, you're not in your head, yeah, I feel you, <laughs> I feel you. Um, it's sort of getting that so you have a, a better approach, you know, with which to, you know, to, to start tackling the issue, right? You're really saying, hey, see this as a really great opportunity, right? I've got an idea for maybe a focus group that could tackle this, right? And come with sort of um, a different energy, right? Around tackling the, the opportunity. Good afternoon, everyone. My Hello. name is Andrea Homer, and I am from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Sacramento District. Um, the question I have, it relates to, um, a very uh, common, excuse me. Um, so Senator John McCain, he was known often as the maverick because he went against the grain of his peers. I'd like for the panel to discuss a instance where you had to go against the grain of your peers or even the culture because of what was in your heart and what you were passionate about. Can you describe to us how that happened and then the outcome? Thank you. All right. So. We're gonna switch this up, and we're gonna start this way. I knew he was gonna do you know, it's only fair. So we're gonna start yeah, this way, and then we're gonna work our way. Gonna we're gonna work our way back. Oh my goodness! That All right, so we'll go from you, and we'll go to Chrissy. Okay. Yeah, All right. That's a really great question. Um, oh man, um, you got me there. I gotta think through that one a you little know, and bit. What I, what I think about you know, in terms of going against the grain, mm -hmm. you know, at least for me, what up to get them warmed up, at least for me, when I think about going against the grain, I, I think about going against who I am kind of as a person, because naturally I want camaraderie and I want people to be in agreement. So one of the things when I kind of rose up in the ranks within the company and became kind of a, a, a leader of greater responsibility, I had to have some talks with myself in the mirror and say, all right, you know, this goes against what you like to do in terms of bringing people together. A lot of times it's about making good decisions. But at Jacobs, we, we do try to stress not only getting what you want to do out, but also bringing in other people. And so one of the things that I've gotten past when I had to be a maverick is it wasn't just Isaac being a maverick. It was a collective of people facing an issue, and it created a, a different dynamic, which is something I still lean on. So with that being said, mm -hmm. Sharon, what's your thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> that didn't help at all. But um, <laughs> it's a great story, though, Isaac. I, I bought story. you like 15 you seconds. You did, you yeah. did, you did. I mean, you know, for me, a lot of the times that um, that maybe I would have gone against the grain, if you will, um, has really, again, been in situations where I felt that people were being taken advantage of, right? Um, so um, I was on a, on a large water program uh, in Ohio, um, was, was one of the deputy program managers on that, and, um, you know, worked for an individual who 
um, just had certain thoughts about you know how the program should be run, um, and I took the opportunity right to um, make some suggestions right about how we could do some things a little bit differently on that program, um, and um, yeah, could I could I have done it a little bit differently? Sure, you know why not? Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, right, the folks who, um, who I ended up reporting to, you know, said, look, Sharon, you did the right thing, right? You did the right thing. What, was, what he was doing and what was happening was, was being disruptive. It was demotivating, right? Uh, that sort of thing. He wasn't bullying. He was just, he was just you, you know, he was just, just not a very um, well-intentioned right leader, and so um, you know behind the scenes, everyone's like, "You did the right thing." They said, "But," and that's kind of why I made that point earlier because it's lessons learned for me. You've got to read the room. Mm. You've got to read the room. You got to understand the politics right around the particular situation, and so that was a learning lesson for me. You know, I'm, I'm still gonna you know fight for the right thing, but how? I do it to get the right outcome is uh, is important. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's powerful, Chrissy. Yeah. So so great question, and and thanks for continuing to ask us the hard questions. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. Hopefully, it makes it funner for for everybody too. Um, so so this one is I don't know. I guess I'm kind of I just it's just my reputation at this point that I'm I'm kind of always always out out a little bit ahead in terms of the roles that I serve and. You know, right now I'm serving in a in a role that's it's it's got three words, but they have a lot of meaning, right? It's called global growth, strategy, and solutions. It's a lot, right? So I cross cut, you know, part of our one of our two lines of business, right? Thirty three thousand employees, you know, five different business units, lots of different client segments, you know, seven end markets. And so, you know, I mean, I think when I first started doing global roles like this, I thought I could show up to a meeting and convince people in the room that I was right and that, you know, I had the right strategy and let's do it tomorrow. Everybody with me? Let's go. <laughs> it's going to work just like that. Just, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and you know, Sharon, I, I appreciate what, what you said because it's kind of the same thing, right? You know, in order to move, you know, kind of hearts and minds and also just constraints and realities across, you know, just lots of different parts of the business, lots of different perspectives, there is a certain inertia that goes with that. So when you talk about against the grain, you know, whether it's on a project, because I, I, I mean, like I said, I'm kind of a serial against the grain person, so I've been doing it my whole career. But, you know, whether it's being a project manager and knowing that maybe your client is actually looking for something a little different mm -hmm. than, than what we really want them to want, mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of making sure that you don't, you got to go against the grain, you got to make sure that, okay, are we really listening to the client, right? It's, Incredibly important, and it's the same thing with you know how you move, you know a business, a big business like that to what is a really exciting you know next step, but it's different, and it means different behaviors, and it means you know maybe we maybe we have to do things that you know we haven't necessarily done before, mm -hmm. and um, 
And that's fun, but it doesn't just happen in one meeting. It happens incrementally over time with how you meet people where they are, how you listen to what's important to them, understand how that relates to what you need to do to change, to go against the grain, whatever you want to call it, and then work together with, a, with much more of a comprehensive plan. You know, maybe I can throw out the change management buzzword there, but you know, there's a lot to it. And I think, I know early in my career, again, I just thought you could show up to the meeting and you do it, but having a plan and being really intentional about how you bring people with you and don't just show up and expect everybody to get it because you get it. You know, they've, they've not been exposed to the same meetings, to the same information, and you might have the best business case on your 60, 60 slide PowerPoint, but it's not how it's gonna get done. Yeah. So. so, you know, we, at Jacobs, we have this leadership development program, and they should talk a lot about first followers, right? Um, meaning like a person that you're bringing in, so you won't go into that meeting where it's just you're laying it down and everyone in the room is the first, it's the first time experiencing that. Is that a, is that a tactic or a technique that, that someone out here can use in terms of bringing more people into your ideas and not trying to be a trailblazer alone, just bringing in the... Very well said, right? Because it's not, again, it's not just about us, right? As leaders, it's, it's you know, who, who's gonna be your champion and who do you involve to ensure that you do get those first movers, right? Or, yeah. or a lot of times we'll refer to them as champions. So, yeah. you know, folks that, that really, you know, kind of are, are with you and are maybe part of that, that initial against the grain or new direction or ch other change. And then how do you start to make the ripple effect out from there? Because, you know, it's just, there's such a human dimension mm -hmm. that, that just goes with, you know, how we leverage, you know, the more technical and, and data-driven elements yeah. of the business. And they both are really important together. All right. I think we have one more one more question, and then um, we'll kind of get into kind of our transition closeout. Okay. Hello. Hi, my name is LaRonda Hunter, Ford Motor Company. Um, I chose to come to this seminar because I had a question about what advice would you give for someone that's older going into the workforce? Say you put your career on hold to raise the family, the opposite direction of what if you said. Um, but now that you've entered, there's a race against time to uh, develop certain skills so you can lead because you, you were a leader before you left. But now that you're back, you notice the workforce is different and you're embracing the discomfort of one, the age, um, two, the younger generation and how they think differently. And then it's also a male dominated generation, but you're trying to race against time to excel um, through all that, like how, what advice would you have for someone like that? Ooh. Uh, um, I, I would say, I would say I'm gonna go here first, only because you, you and I were actually just, just talking, talking about, about this because yeah. I, was, I was actually talking about my wife and, and that's a whole long, long story because, <laughs> no, no, seriously, we, my wife and I are expecting our first child and we were talking about time out, off from work and, and the chances of that. And, I was having a great conversation and she was just pouring into me experience and nuggets. So yeah, let's go yeah. here okay. and then we'll go that way. All right, so, so let me give you a little bit of just my, my perspective here. I, I mentioned I have kids. I have three kids. They're, they're kind of middle school, early middle school and high school age now. Um, 
but my husband and I have, we've always been driven, you know, by, by you know, just really passionate about what we do for a living and, and excited about growing careers. And so what I shared with Isaac before was that, you know, it's been, it's been in seasons, right? So when I first, and when I, my kids were young, and, you know, and some of this was those expectations I was talking about, frankly, is we expected Chuck, Chuck's his name, my husband, to, you know, he was going to be the, the primary breadwinner, and I was going to deal with daycare pickups, and yes, I still had a job I loved, but I was going to be, if the kid got sick, I was going to be the one to go pick up, and, and it was pretty well divided for us, mm -hmm. and it's different for everybody, right, but for us, you know, we really kind of, you know, allowed him, he, I have a, a great picture of him graduating with his MBA where I've got my first, my, my first son, Charlie, who's now 15, and I'm holding Charlie and we're standing by, you know, he's got his diploma. And I look back on that picture and I really had, I just thought things were gonna be static and that was just it. And that's kind of what we had agreed and that was gonna be it. And then you start to realize that actually time doesn't stand still and things change over time, yeah. right? And so to your point, um, you know, I, I knew that there were that, that there were things that I wanted to accomplish, and I'll admit I had a few. I, I would call it folks that were were trying to. I think they were trying to support me. It was fam, a little bit of family, maybe a lot of family, and and, and some others just you know at, at work. But the message was, well, you know, you, you do what you got to do. You know, you don't have to take that hard assignment or you don't, you know, you, you, you need to take care of, you know, your kids and, and, you know, we understand that you're in a different place now. And of course, for me, I'm kind of a, a red energy person, if that means anything to people. That just made me more determined mm -hmm. to just flip that yeah. table and just, I'm not, you know. And it was hard, right? I, I mean, it was really hard to kind of keep that up and um, do that. And so, you know, but at the same time, it was rewarding and I wouldn't change it for the world, but it was really hard. And I could definitely have seen myself making a different choice, you know, taking a step back, focusing on, you know, the family for a few years and doing that. Um, you know, I feel like there were a lot of circumstances, my mom being a huge influence she was there, she was, you know, available to kind of, you know, if I needed to take a short business trip, she was there to help, right? It wasn't necessarily my husband in those early days, it was my mom. Um, fast forward, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speed up here. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's fine. There were a lot of different childcare scenarios with, as my kids were growing up, that we tried. I was telling Isaac that I kind of hit a low point, at, you know, where we had a few, um, you know, nannies that, that, that we used that, really weren't great and, and and it was scary right to the point where I thought oh gosh like what are we gonna do like something's got to change mm -hmm. my mom stepped in at that point she had just retired she stepped in you know was really there helping you know with a lot of, of what our kids needed at that time and it was it was great and it allowed Chuck and me to both be fully you know fully you know kind of on the fast track so to speak okay she passed away, she, she very suddenly um, passed away from pancreatic cancer, and it was a huge wake-up call for my husband and me. My husband wasn't necessarily feeling it in terms of where he was in, in, in his job with his company, um, and, and we just flipped it up upside down, and so my husband is working part-time now, you know, very much the caretaker, 
And um, you know, that's just kind of the, the way that we flip things around. So okay. all that to take home that you know, things change and you don't know how they're gonna change and, and it's different seasons of your life and you have to be ready to adapt to that. For you coming back into the workforce, first, I think it's awesome. I, think, I can't encourage you enough to do it, right? Um, the other one is that at companies like Jacobs, we're looking for people like you. Is maybe, yeah. So it was like a, a soft, soft sell. Soft, soft. Yeah. Like medium sell. So, so I got to tell you, like, that is something that we're, like, we're actively, how do we attract, you know, candidates that, that might be, you know, how are we making sure that our job descriptions aren't setting up requirements that, that rule out or, or might discourage people like yourself that might have come, that might have taken a few years, years off to focus on something else in your life, right? So, so I think the best thing you can do is start to just get back engaged and come in knowing that you, you have this valuable skill set and, and it's you. It's not, just, it's not just, you know, oh, I know how to do this or that. It's how, how are you gonna come back in and bring the experience that, that you're going to provide to a company that's not just about, you know, kind of what's on your resume from, from before your sabbatical, but what's going on, you know, what have you done since then? How do you think creatively about how you position that on your, on, on your resume and how you talk about your experience? Because, you know, as a company, we need more leaders that have that experience so that we can make it okay for other people to take the time they need. There's a lot of, All lot right? of people there. So, I think, I, I think that's yeah. actually your response to that was, was mm -hmm. amazing because you yeah. covered a lot of areas yes. and you made it personal mm -hmm. to, to you. And I hope that really, really does help. And congratulations. Yes, that absolutely. is huge. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so um, you know, one of the things that, that I would like to do before we kind of, I ask my last question is thank you. Just thank all of you for, for coming, just the energy, the questions that you all provided. You know, over at Jacobs, we are, we are a proud company. We're proud of our culture. I hope you saw just a, a, a glimpse into our leadership structure. We're regular people. We have regular lives and regular experiences. Um, and we really try to really be authentic. And one of the things that even goes up to our CEO, we talk a lot about trust. And this is really what you're seeing here today is a trust, a circle, an environment where you're not scared to say the wrong thing, but what's more important is the people who are receiving what you're saying. So with that being said, I have a, one last challenging question, okay? So we talked a little bit about your lives and, and your careers and all that. So if you were to write your own biography, all right, yeah. how would you, you summarize your life in less than six words. Somebody did that to me recently, and I just figured out I'm, a, I'm just going to gift it. And, and, and keep in mind, we have to wrap this up because we have time. So this has to, you have to wrap it out. Go, Sharon. You're oh, going to kick I'm it first? off. Yeah. So I was specifically avoiding eye contact with you <laughs> for that reason. Um, okay, so I would say my career life journey has been defined by saying yes. That's two words. Okay. Yeah. Say yes. Okay. Um, I would say staying curious. That's, staying curious. That's four words. Um, you got two more. I have two more. Say yes. Staying curious. Um, 
What'd you say? <laughs> we do, we do. Well, I, I would say following passion. Six. All right. Well done. Ife. So um, for me, it has been believing in myself than, that I'm more than adequate. Um, and also stepping out of my comfort zone and try to inspire up and down and then give back, nurture the next generation. Just because your story is so amazing, you're gonna get like two extra words. Because we can't, we can't put her in a box. All right. Chrissy, let, let's finish this out. Okay. All right. All right. So I don't know if this is six words. I'll, I'll but give it is you. what I think about. I okay. Think about let, let's just, we'll go with it. Okay. Let's go with it. So, so do the next right thing. All right. That's the big one. And okay. trust yourself. Yeah. I'll go yeah. with it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. And also for all of you, um, we're all about inspiration at Jacobs. And so I encourage all of you to think about what your six words will be. You know, how would you define your career, your life? And if you don't like it, what you've seen up here today is that you can always rewrite it. You know, con continuously become and transform. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And on behalf of Jacobs, have a good day.